the, the idea of machlokis, not only in the Gemara, but among the poskim, is quite a difficult idea to understand because um, what does it mean? One person says A, one person says B, so what's the truth? What's the halacha? How do we paskin? Um, but more than that, even that, that, that we have situations of machlokis, sometimes even within one authority itself, so we'll have cases, for example, in the Gemara and Brochus, right in the very beginning of Shas, on the second page of the Talmud. We've got the case of Tre Tanoi Alibe de Rabbi Meir, where there seems to be a contradiction, <coughs> or Tre Tanoi Alibe de Rabbi Eliezer, <coughs> where there seems to be a contradiction, and the Gemara says it's two Tanaim who have different versions of what Rabbi Eliezer actually said. Okay, but then, then we then have to find out, what did he actually say? How do we cope with this two versions of what Rabbi Eliezer said? Um, and, and then we have something even stranger, which is when a Tana or an Amora or later on Rishonim or Acharonim change their minds. How does that work? Uh, and what happens if they would have lived longer? Maybe they would have changed their minds again. The Rambam writes p- part of his works when he's a very young man. The Parish Mishnayas he wrote when he was a very young man. The Yada Chazoki, he was older when, when he wrote. There are things in the Yada Chazoki that are different from and we say he was chosen. Later in his life, he changed his mind. And if he would have lived another 20 years, then would he have changed his mind again? So how do we know that what we've currently got, what, how do we work with, with that insecurity of a continuously changing reality in terms of, in terms of Chazal? <laughs> so today, there's a, there's a piece of Gomorrah which, which attracted my att- attention because it's, the, the question is, what is it doing here? What's it coming to tell us? And, and nobody comments on it. It's like a piece of Gomorrah with, with absolutely no comment. Um, and we've got it here on Dav Chavdala Damud Beis, where Rav says, now Rav is a really important Amorah. Uh, when Rav speaks, you listen. Not that you don't listen when anybody else speaks, but when Rav speaks, you sit up and you, and you listen very carefully. Because Rav is one of those people who bridges the time of the Rishonim and Nachroim. We've talked about the importance of the bridging personalities from the Goenim to the Rishonim, from the Rishonim to the Nachroim, from, from the Goenim to the Rishonim, from the Rishonim to the Nachroim, from the Nachroim to our times. Um, these bridging personalities are really important because they give us insight into the work of the prior generations in language that we can understand in the current generation. So those become very, very important gateways <coughs> to the earlier generations. Rav was a Talmud of Rabbi Yehuda Nasi. Rabbi Yehuda Nasi wrote the Mishnah. <coughs> Rav is his Talmud, so he's the first of the, of the generation of the Amoraim, and, and goes back to Bovel, having learned in Eretz Yisrael with Rabbi Yehuda Anosi, goes back to Eretz Yisrael and founds the Yeshiva of Surah, which is the, one of the primary Besamedrash, the primary Yeshivas in, in, in Bovel, which is the foundation of all the Talmud we've got, of all the Gomorrah we've got. So Rav is is, is critical. So when Rav, listen, so I see right away, Omar Rav, so I'm already listening carefully. Don't hold yourself back from the Beis Medrash. It's an interesting language. Nowadays, we would say the difference. Make an effort to go to the Beis Medrash. For, for Rav, that was no effort. To go to the Beis Medrash was no effort. But, but sometimes you've got something else going on, something else you should do. Be careful, he says. Don't, don't hold back from the Beis Medrash. Afilu Sha'achas, even for one moment or one hour, depends how we translate Sha'ah. De'ana ve'levi havinan kameh derebi, because Levi and I, they were two chavrusas learning with, with, with uh, Rabbi Yehuda Anasi. So this is during his time in Eretz Yisrael. We were learning in the base of Medrash of Rabbi Yehuda Anasi. Imagine what that was like. You walk into the base of Medrash, there you see Rabbi Yehuda Anasi learning with, 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 with Rav and Levi. 
that that's what was going on there. He said this one evening, he learned this piece of Gemara in the evening. And then he said, He was talking about various, the sugya deals with noilad, things that on Erev Yom Tov weren't present. So Goy picks an arova, let's say, on Yom Tov. So the arova wasn't in existence. <coughs> it was connected to the, to the tree before Yom Tov. So it's a question of noilad, it's mukta. All these different kinds of mukta. And this particular sugi is talking about sophic mukta, where you're not 100% sure that it's mukta. It might be mukta, but you're not sure. But Safra, so, so Rabbi, uh, when, he, when he was learning this, when Rabbi Yudanos, he was learning this, he said that, that when the Mishnah says it's mutter, according to Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel, mutter means you can even eat it. You can, if, if it's fruit, you can eat it. But Safra, the next morning, Omar mutorim lekabel, he said, no, all I mean is it's not mukta. You can touch it. But you can't eat it. Medrasha. I says Ravi was in the base of Medrash the next morning. Hadri Bay. I I changed my mind too when I heard that how how Shmu, how, how Rabbi Yudanosi was now understanding the Mishnah differently. When I taught it to my Talmidim, I updated my, my version. I also changed. Levi Medrasha. But for Levi, it was it was Cholamoid Sukkot, and there was a later minion down the street, so he didn't come to the early minion, so he missed the Madmoinim, and uh, and he didn't hear, he didn't hear that. It's a big deal. He didn't hear it. He didn't hear it at six forty-five. But the other minion finishes at nine, and people will tell him, you know what? It was a big thing in the base of Medrash. Rabbi Yudas he changed his mind, so an hour later he'll hear it. What's the big deal that he didn't hear it? Lo Haderbei, and he never changed his mind. Levi stuck with the old, with, with the old din. So here you've got, it's an amazing piece of Gomorrah. Here you've got Rabbi Yudanos, he says something in the evening, obviously sleeps on it, his mind is working, comes the next morning, changes his mind. Rav is there and ch- changes his mind as well. And Shmuel's not there and he, and he never changes his mind. Why? Does he never hear about it? Does he never learn? What, what goes on? What is this? And there's not a, there's nothing on this. Nobody talks on this piece of Gemara. And then I found a, a an important shlo, um, and an important Ben Yehoyada. So the shlo, the shlo is unfortunately known for the fact that he didn't eat turkey, uh, and <laughs> and it's so sad. The shlo was the, the shlo's father was a Talmud of the Ramo. That's who the Shlo is. The Shlo himself is a Talmud of the Marshal and the Maharam, the two pillars of, of, of understanding Gomorrah and understanding Psak at that time. The Marshal is, is that the Chochmah Shlomo is such an important part of, of our Masoira, of what we've got. And, and he's a Talmud of the Marshal, he's a Talmud of the Maharam. The back of the Gomorrah, you've got Marshal and you've got Maharam and, and Marshal. These are, these are pillars. This is who the the Shlor was Rabbi Shaya Levi Horvitz. And that's why the Horvitz family, till this day, don't eat uh, turkey. I don't know if Rabbi Horvitz is from the Horvitz, he's not from there. He's not a Levi. Um, but the, the Horvitz is who are Levi. Yeah, there are, there are lots of Horvitzes. There are Horvitzes who eat treif on Yom Kippur, but they will never eat turkey. Uh, that's, I knew such a Horvitz. He was treif on Yom Kippur, but he wouldn't eat turkey because it's a family of the Shlor. Uh, which is quite funny. And that's what the Shlor is known for. But the Shlor was amazing. It was a, a big godel and, and, and wrote important things on, on Shas. 
and then decided to go to Israel and wanted to learn Kabbalah. So he came, but interestingly, he went via um, Chalab in, in Syria, which is Aleppo. And he went all the way. If you think of going to Israel via Syria, what, it, what an arduous journey that was. He went to spend a few days with Rabbi Yosef Vital, who was the son of Rabbi Chaim Vital. Rabbi Yosef Vital, the Chidor writes in Shem Agdolim, is the most reliable editor of the works of the Ari. So anything, the, the Chidor says, anything that Rabbi Yosef Vital wrote in the name of the Ari, the Sforim, he wrote Shmoni uh, Shorim, I think it's called, the Eight Gateways, which is the Ari's work. And, and the Chidor says he, Rabbi Yosef Vital, is the reliable transmitter of the Ari's work, because the Ari himself didn't write anything. Well, we've heard this from his Talmudim. And Rabbi Yosef Vital, the son of Rabbi Chaim Vital, is the most reliable. So he wanted to meet Rabbi Chaim Vital. So he went on that journey for us to go across the road to meet somebody, to, to make an arrangement to, 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 to meet somebody who lives in the city, to go to Yerushalayim to meet some big thing. When am I going to go and how am I going to do it? He went to, 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 to Syria in those times as the 16th century, early 17th century. He goes to Syria to spend a few days in the home of Rabbi Yosef Vital to be introduced to his Kabbalah, and then he goes to Tzfat. First to Yerushalayim, and then he goes to Tzfat, and he lives in Tzfat, and there he becomes uh, a Makubal, and he's buried in, in Tveri, or lived in Tveri for a time as well. There's a shul of the Shla, which is now a Greek church, uh, which was his shul in, in Tveri. A lot of controversy about that building, and it was a shul like hundreds of years before the time of the Shla. But he used to dive in there, and it's known as the, as the Shlos Beis the Shlos Shul. So the Shlos is very big. What the Shlos says is um, that when you have a case, like that case in Brochus, of two Amoiroim, two Tanoim, giving different versions of what the Amoiro said, I said to you, so what does that mean? Which one's right? Then we have to find out which one is right. He says, You don't have to think that either of them is wrong. What each one says in the name of his Rebbe is true. It's not that he misheard or he wasn't sure or he got it wrong. The first one says what he heard from the Rebbe in the Rebbe's younger days. And then the Rebbe changed his mind, but he wasn't there at the time that the Rebbe changed his mind. Uh, and that's how it works, in fact, with the case of, Ra- of our Gemorrah. And so on. So this is a case, you see, what this Gemorrah is showing you is how halacha evolves. It's not just that A says one thing and B says something else. Sometimes A says one thing and A says something else as his thinking evolves. Because what this Gemorrah te- tells us is that halacha and, and Torah is not static. It's continuously evolving. And, and, and you've got to be with the evolution of it. It's not just, I heard so-and-so say. There's a psak of Ramosha Feinstein. Yes, but how does Ramosha Feinstein think? How does his thinking evolve? How does it develop? You need to be with the person and understand the person. And that's why Rav says, don't stay away from the Beis Medrash even one day, even one hour, because in that moment, there could be a development. Because this is static. It's like the markets. Lahavdil. It's like say, saying, imagine a, a, a trader, a stock trader says, I was, I was on the markets this morning. Uh, no, I haven't been back to look at it today. I was there this morning. Uh, today I'm not going to look. I'll go, tomorrow is also good. 
We won't go, we'll go to the late minion. We won't have, we won't have a, we won't have a look at the market. It's like the market, it's dynamic. It changes every moment. And you need to be with it. A good trader is with the market. He feels the changes. It's not that he just looks for information. He feels the changes. And that's what it means to learn with a Rebbe, to develop with him, to evolve with him, to think with him. And you can't, if you miss a piece of that, you've missed it. So when, when Levi, when, when, um, Levi hears the next morning or later that day that Rabbi Yudah Anossi changed his mind, he can't just switch. That would be like, like a monkey. Well, I heard my Rabbi changed his mind. Good, so I changed my mind. You weren't there when he changed his mind. You weren't part of that process. So you're still stuck with the old process. You're still in the fossil. You're still from before. It's only one night difference. It's 12 hours difference. But look what changed and developed in those 12 hours because the Rebbe was thinking through the night on the matter. And you weren't part of that thinking. You only got the fact. You got yesterday's fact. And now you're stuck with that. You're fossilized with that. And so don't withhold yourself from the Beis HaMedrash even for, for an hour. So much so that the, um, the Ben Ishchai in the Ben Yehoyada says that what, what you, he's saying here, this is amazing Chidush also, this Sha'achat, he questions, why does it say Sha'achat? Why doesn't it say Reva Sha'ah? Why doesn't it say Chamesh Dakot? Why doesn't it say Dakachat? Why is it Sha'ah? And he takes it as literally an hour. He says it links back to the Mishnah in Brochus. The Hasidim Arishonim used to spend an hour before Davni, and then they used to wait an hour after Davni to settle their minds and so on before they went about their work. Says the Ben Ishchai, Afilu ba'ota sha'a echad hayudu'a shul minhag arishonim. Im rotzea adam lin hogba. If you want to act that way and spend that hour before and after davening, don't go to the Beit HaKneset for that hour because you might miss Torah and nothing justifies that. If you're spending that hour, at least spend it in the Beit HaMedrash so you can hear what's going on. Torah is evolving, Torah is developing. And, 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 that, and that understanding of Torah being, being more important than tefillah. Yes, tefillah is incredibly important, but you don't separate from Torah in order to for, for tefillah. Tefillah is, is critically important. That's why you'll sometimes you'll have people before the shir is over, they're busy putting on talus and tefillin, and they're missing the learning. There's no reason to do that. You put your talus and tefillin afterwards. You really want to be careful. Come five minutes before, put your talus and tefillin on them before. But don't take your mind off the learning. Well, they used to say to the briskarov sometimes, like, why, why he wasn't in shul early in the morning for, for Davni? And he would say, because he was learning till late. And they would say to him, so why didn't you stop learning so late? Go to bed. He said, you don't close a Gemara, you don't stop learning. And you see that in this Gemara on Shabbos, Daf Pei Gimel, where the same Rav, Omar Rav, Lo'olam al Yimna Adam et Atzmobi Beis HaMedrash. This was obviously a motto of Rav. This is what he was teaching his Talmidim all the time. Don't stay away from the Beis HaMedrash because it's dynamic, things change. You want to be part of the evolution of Torah. Not, you don't want to just pick up information. You can do that on the internet. That's not what it is. You've got an app. You listen to the shir on the app, but that's not what this is. This is being part of an evolving process. Because this Mishnah was learned in the Beis HaMedrash for years. And you might have been there for years learning this Beis HaMedrash. And its reason was never explained until one day in the Beis HaMedrash, if you happen to be there. And he gave the parish. He happened to be there that day. And if you weren't there, so again, so you weren't there. So one of the others would tell you what happened. You look up on the internet and you'll find out what happened, but you're not part of the process. That's not what Torah is. Not, Torah is not looking up 
and seeing a vault here and a vault there, and this one says this, this one says that. Torah is a way of thinking, a way of learning, a way of evolving and developing and growing. That's what Torah is. And you weren't there the day that Rabbi Hanina ben Akavya was there, but you say, but I was there every day. I was at the Matmonim Shir every morning, day in and day out for six years. So one day I missed, yes. And that was the day that Rabbi Hanina ben Akavya was there. And you missed the first time ever that a reason was explained for this Mishnah. And you're not part of that process. Yes, you can pick it up online on the app afterwards, but you weren't part of the process of its development. And so that's not, part, that's not something you can make use of. Just as Levi couldn't change his mind, Rav could change his mind because he was part of the thinking. So his thinking could evolve along with the thinking of his Rebbe. But, but Levi's thinking didn't evolve. Levi's thinking was fossilized last night. And therefore, he couldn't change his mind. He was stuck in the paradigm of last night because he wasn't part of the evolution. So says Rav, in the case of Rabbi Hanina ben Akavya, when for the first time this Mishnah was explained, Omar Rabbi Yechanon, Lo lama limna adam et atzmo bibes ha-medish medivre Torah va'afilu b'shas mita. Rabbi Yechanon was part of that same group of, of, of Rav and Shmuel and so on. And he says, you don't stay away from Torah even when you're dying. And that means at the moment of, of death. You might say, okay, I'm done. I'm about to die. There's nothing I need to know. Is there some new halacha? I'm not going to have a, an opportunity to keep anything still. It's over for me. I'm on the way to Olam Hayemet. No, that is life. Life is learning. That's what life is. Eitz Chaim Life is learning. Learning is not something you do with your life. Learning is not something you do during your life. Learning is your life. That, if you're a Jew, learning is your life. And learning means evolving, developing, moving. And maybe at the moment of death, you'll hear a, a parish that you didn't. There'll be an evolution. Not maybe. There will definitely be an evolution. If you're learning properly, then as you're learning, you're thinking. New things are coming to your mind. You're evolving together with the Torah. Says Rabbi Yochanan, don't waste an opportunity. Don't stop learning, even as you're dying. Because learning comes with you. You take your learning with you and you die in the process of your learning. That's as if you're dying in the process of your living and it's not something which is happening after you, after you finish learning, says, uh, says Rabbi Yechon. So it was just interesting to me, this little piece of Gomorrah which sticks out like a sore thumb because it doesn't really belong in the sugi. It's such an aside thing and nobody comments on it because I don't, I don't know why. Nobody comments on it. And as I dwelt on it and reflect on it, I realized, wow, this actually explains and, and, and identifies so clearly what Limud Torah is for a Jewish person and how important it is to be part of the process of the, of the evolution of learning and so on. That's part of the reason why in this shirim I try and give you the context. Who Rav is, who Levi is, who the Shloi is, who, who um, uh, the Benishkai is, where they came from, so that you can see this evolution, this movement. This is not static. This is Torah. We're taking part of an evolution of Torah that starts with Moshe Rabbeinu and continues until our day. And we need to be part of that evolution and understand that evolution and be developing and evolving with it so that we're connected to Torah and not separate from it.